0: You're listening to the American Soccer Analysis Show. Dude, you're, you're the Tommy McNamara
1: of podcasting. It's great. Thank you. Wait, what? With your hosts, Ian Lamberson. If you say one more bad thing about Mike Grella, I'm going to cut you.
0: And Harrison Crow, Patrick Mullins is what happens when you least
2: expect it. From the off to the shoot.
1: Give and go. In the score zone. Hey. Hey. Hello, everybody. And yes, welcome to the American Soccer Analysis Show. I'm your host, Ian, with me as always, my friend, my colleague, the biggest snub off of the fan podcast vote 11 of All Stars. Well, oh, I said that wrong. You know what I meant. He got snubbed from the fan podcast All Star Vote. It's Harrison Crow. Say hey, to everybody, Harrison.
0: Yeah, but you know what? At least Ezekiel Barco uh, got on yeah. there. Pity, um, pity. And John pity Martinez. Yeah. Martinez. Brad Guzon.
1: Brad Guzon. Yeah, he was deserving. Um what, See, what happened there? That was a weird all star vote. Well, we know now, we know now. So I didn't set my I didn't set my apps right, so I, I had
0: everything scripted. Uh, your bots get- just your box, Bill. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, they, <laughs> that's why
1: Patrick Mullins didn't make it.
0: That's exactly why Patrick <laughs> Mullins, right?
1: <laughs> uh, we're gonna um, look at that thing and see a four line of Derek Maddox, Patrick Mullins, Will Bruin.
0: Do you, do, can, you can you imagine if Patrick Mullins made the All Star Game? <laughs> like oh, I would D. be pers- I would be personally investigated.
1: <laughs> oh no, you would be the first person I would investigate for that. Absolutely, and and we did we do know that shenanigans happen in this voting we've seen it we've uh we've done research at the american uh, institute of soccer analysis we've discovered voting irregularities voter fraud well let's not say it's happened. i mean it's not fraud it is fraud, is it fraud? A, bot. a bot is fraud how is it fraud because it's not a person voting but it's
0: you voting and you're just programming something to vote for you a lot of times
1: that's that feels like fraud to me it feels at least dishonest disingenuous i'm call uh, I, fraud I,
0: I think it's disingenuous to the process but i don't think it's fraud
1: i think it's fraud well i mean well we'll have our lawyers look over that that's um, fine before we bring a oh. uh, bring hey we a have a, this. we have a lawyer we have a couple lawyers yeah um yeah surprisingly the venn diagram of uh analytics fans and lawyers uh, has a few crossovers <laughs> um sorry dave graham Zuzi made the all-star team harrison I like Graham Zussi. I like Graham Zussi too, but he's not an all-star. Well, that's the one I don't understand.
0: Maybe not this year. Well, that's what it's supposed to be.
1: (laughs) That's what the whole thing is. Yeah, but okay, so it never matches. This is a lifetime achievement award. (laughs) This is a 2019 all-star. Yeah, but that's, all right, so
0: I think we can agree on like all-stars and goalkeepers. They don't ever get recognized the year that they actually uh, deserve it. And so I like, I'm kind of, like so okay. someone made someone made the argument that Stefan Fry should win goalkeeper of the year, not necessarily he have. yes no no, not last year, oh. this year, maybe. Well, right, but there's like, there's no argument for anyone else right now. Like not really there. There's maybe one or two, like Andre Blake, maybe I I can kind of see an argument just because, you know, uh, they're doing really well. Brad Guzon has really low numbers against, um, and then Tyler Miller's having uh, a decent season on goals against, but again, that's more rewarding an individual for like a a, a team, um, yeah. effort. So the argument was that it should go to Stephen Fry because of how many times Stephen Fry has been look, looked over in the last like four years.
1: Yeah, so it's like the John Wayne winning an Oscar thing,
0: right? It, it, that's that's exactly what. That, I don't like it. How you pulled it. that out? How you you no. don't like it? I'm okay with that because look, I think, <clears throat> and here I, I will just be completely transparent. I think Nick Romano should win goalkeeper of the year this year. I think so you should just give as it as a him. lifetime.
1: Why don't you? Yes. Like yes. Yeah, okay, but hear me out. If it means give, nothing, if it means something to them, it if you means give,
0: nothing to no one. Because if it did, the then you wouldn't.
1: It does. It does. It absolutely does. Are you kidding me? Of course they want to win that. You don't think? It oh yeah. So no, fun? I you think, don't think. I Stephen think Stephen Fry was upset last year. Oh, when he, he, he got was completely he, snubbed. He
0: was peeved. He was peeved. Like he he went on a couple different rants on he, a couple well, different. Yeah, like, he, I'm surprised he didn't get fined. Yeah,
1: he had one. He had one tweet.
0: He had a tweet but he also had a couple of uh, uh he had stuff after one game and then at a practice as well. So okay. like well, he definitely had something and he had a comment like it was, it was totally anger. was. He was <laughs> it was justified. Um but yeah, absolutely. So the guy was amazing last year and was by far and way the best keeper. Like there there is no wasn't metric you can't
1: wasn't even close.
0: Yeah, there's no metric you could provide. That being said, I'm totally okay with giving the award as a lifetime achievement award to someone that should have won it a, at least three times. Nick romano well, have Well, let's just have
1: won. a lifetime achievement award. Let's just do one of those every year. Just be like, and here's a lifetime achievement goalkeeping award just for like general good goalkeeping over the course of a long time.
0: I think they should rename the goalkeeper of the year award after Nick romano even though he's never won it.
1: I think they should rename it after uh, Frank Rost. All right. Whatever. Let's get
0: into it. <laughs> this is last an MLS week, 1.0. Last,
1: last week, we talked about Western Conference narratives. We went through the teams. We talked about what people were thinking in preseason. We did a midseason check. This week, we're going to do the Eastern Conference. Um, it's been an exciting week. Soccer, the United States men's national team is conquering the world slowly but surely, one tiny nation at a time. <laughs> uh, the U.S. women's national team continues to dominate. Setting time for American soccer, uh, but we're going to talk about MLS and none of those interesting things. <laughs> the thing that nobody <laughs> is thinking about this week—that's what we're going to cover. Um, so let us start at the bottom of the East, and hold on, let me. Pull Gotta hit little. that market share. FC Cincinnati. I don't know why I sang that. I've never sang anything on this show before. <laughs> you, that's well,
0: like you do sometimes in our pregame, like you yeah, do, you I do, do a little. You
1: don't hear that. <laughs> I do like a little. Uh, it's showtime. All right, uh, FC Cincinnati uh, preseason narrative on these guys was pretty pretty negative. This was going to be the worst team in the league. Uh, they had a bunch of USL players. They had a bunch of defensive midfielders. Uh, Fernando Adi was not going to, uh, thrive without any kind of creative presence around him. Um, yeah, they would be the worst team in the league. Uh, mid-season narrative, I think, yeah, more or less, that's kind of what's happened. Uh, this is, uh, you know, you can make an argument that, that, that Colorado is a a less interesting team. Uh, but FC Cincinnati has been very, very poor, um, less than a point per game averaged. Um. You know, the one thing we thought, I think, Harrison, was that their defense would be okay, and yeah. it's not been good. Yeah, it's, no, uh, that that is
0: absolutely one thing that we thought, right? It,
1: it is uh, the worst in the league, tied with New England, which is not a thing you want to be tied with New England in. Uh, defensive goodness. Um, their expected points are 0.98, so, I mean, like, it's not like they're super... You know, unlucky or anything like that. They had some really bright results at the beginning of the year, gave me some hope that maybe they could be a decent mid-ish table Eastern Conference team. Uh, but no, this this is a this is a mess of a team, um, new coach. Um, so you know, I, I think this season's probably a wash. I think it's pretty safe to say, uh, welcome to MLS Cincinnati. It's it's gonna it's only gonna get better from here.
0: Yeah, uh, again, I, I I get the whole. They're not good narrative, right? Mm. Uh, it's not really a narrative. Actually. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's that it's actually
1: legitimately what's well, happening.
0: Well, so it, it, it's hard to differentiate because you have some decent players, right? It's not that they're necessarily a terrible team. I do think that they they have the players to be competitive. Yeah. I just think that so far they haven't quite found um, how to how to make that work, right? And yeah. this the frustrating thing is, um, I thought that you know they would get rid of their head coach and things would kind of start clicking, and they haven't. Um, I'm really kind of surprised at that. In fact, to be perfectly honest, they've been legitimately worse. Um,
1: yeah, yeah so. they've been terrible. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with just how bad their players are at soccer, if I'm being honest. I, I think they have a couple of okay players. But I don't. I don't think they have any. Well, good I think players. I,
0: I think Greg Garza being injured for a lot of the early season hasn't yeah. helped. Um, I, I think that they have a fine keeper. I think Kendall Waston in yeah, the middle is sure. fine. Sure, Greg sure, Garza yeah. out there. Alvis uh, Powell we knew was a defensive liability, but you know yeah. he hasn't got a lot of time out there. Um, yeah, they have it, a
1: good player that they they brought in on loan, and then and then they didn't play him. Didn't play him, and now he's leaving to right. go back to the Champions League, Which the real is, Champions League.
0: Yeah, literally the I, the Champions I, I League. That that's the that's been one of the weirdest things, right? I thought that um
1: may, maybe he came in and he was above it and he was just like, "Nah, no. This is not what I wanted." We don't know. We don't know the story. We don't know how much of a of a, of a prima donna uh, uh, safe is.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Uh that being said, I mean Most guys that come in here are, I mean, especially coming from his pedigree, he was brought in to be kind of the crown jewel of this, right? Yeah, I think he was supposed
1: to be the best player on that team.
0: Well, I mean, he got less. He got barely 500 minutes, and it's and it's not like he struggled in those 500 minutes. I mean, he had a goal and two assists in those 500 minutes. He did it fairly well for a team that was just anemic uh, on the attack. Nothing
1: around them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and they offered. You're right. So I, I don't. Probably,
1: I think he's probably happier.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably true, like to a degree. Yeah. But at the same time, it's I mean, it just
1: best for everybody.
0: I I don't I I don't understand. They have I really do think they have a lot of really talented guys. I mean, you look at Alan Cruz, for instance. Um, Alan Cruz is right now with Costa Rica's national team. I mean, he. You got Kakuta Mane, who yeah, he's has, not at all talented. He's got. See again, <laughs> he's fast. He 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 has attributes, and you can apply one this attribute. right. <laughs> That's <laughs> he has literally
1: I, one attribute, and he's not even that great at it.
0: So, I yeah. think that they have they have players on here that they could have. Uh, yes, they're not overwhelmingly like good across the board, but I think that they have key differentiating skills that could, if applied could support each other but they seem kind of hard-pressed i mean the guy that they spent all their they they went and spent all their resources for nick hagland has been benched
1: yeah i mean justin hoyt's
0: been starting over him uh justin hoyt who played you know almost two decades ago for arsenal um congratulations a championship-esque player yeah. yeah, that 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 seems like such a waste. Seems like such a fantastic waste.
1: Yeah. Fernando I guess, Adi, I
0: don't think has a does he have a goal in actual like MLS I don't play? I think so. No, he's I don't been think terrible.
1: So. I mean, he had that obviously that legal problem which didn't help with anything, but like he I don't think anybody.
0: He had a terrible set of choices. Let's just call them what they are. He do DU, is Yeah, yeah, just
1: that's terrible. Th- that that is what it is. It's it's obviously awful. Uh but but just even on field, I think I don't think anyone expected I, I I thought he would struggle in this environment and he has he has struggled in this environment. So
0: Darren Maddox has two goals and two assists in seven hundred minutes. Hey man. Darren
1: it's, Maddox. It's it's not bad. MLS All Star.
0: He has the he has the most shots per should've ninety in your,
1: the should have gotten your bots working. I know. <laughs> Couldn't have recognized it. See
0: and I, this is just what I'm talking about, dude. They could go to a four four two, clog that middle, and just play counterattacking ball all the day long. But no, they they want to try to be you know, they want to be some stylish. They they want to play a, a style of soccer which their roster doesn't support. Yeah, I, I don't get that. You know Why? what? You had all offseason to to make your team something that you wanted to be. You build it a certain way, and then don't play to that. Yeah. Okay. This is this this is what you get.
1: Yeah. I think that we've talked more about Cincinnati than, than they deserve.
0: Than anyone wanted to hear. Like even all people right, at Cincinnati didn't want to hear this much.
1: Alright, our other favorite team in the major league soccer, uh this next New England Revolution. I think everyone thought that they would have it be bad because they uh they they're usually bad and they had Brad Friedel as their coach still. So. Um and more or less they've they've lived up to that. It's they have a couple of bright spots here and there, I, I think, you know uh carlos gill's been very good that's about it that's the bright spots um but it's a new day it's a new day in new england revolution land uh we've got bruce arena in charge of everything now which i don't know they've been okay i mean since he came on it's been better I mean, um, I don't think this team will be this bad next year. I guess I'd say that, but but for this year, I think that we're. It's a little late. I think they left it a little late to to, to make that change as, as quickly as they did. It was still too late. Well, they're not that far back out. I mean, I everything's possible. No, it's possible. I mean, honestly, I mean they're only three points behind like Toronto. Like that's not.
0: I I think you're pressing on that one I I think Toronto is going to especially with getting Omar Gonzalez but we'll get to Toronto in a little bit right Um, look they made their upgrade uh, not necessarily in roster but in front office right going which is where they needed it most I think yeah no I think that's totally fair Um, now if you look at it and you know it's only been a month it's been less than a month they played three games since since they've made the coaching change but you know They're averaging two points, you know, over that three games. So uh, they pick that up. They might win the shield. Yeah, I mean, uh, that being said, their expected goals in those three games weren't great. So
1: um, don't Bruce doesn't want to hear anything about that.
0: I know, I know, he doesn't want to hear. I know, I know. (laughs) You look. I know Bruce and I go way back in this conversation. Uh, He and I are buddies. We've had a few uh, champagnes
1: together. Bruce does not want to hear anything about it. Yeah. Um, Let's let's talk about Columbus. Because it's an interesting team. Are they're not? No. Well, they're it's not. interesting to me in that I think it's always interesting to watch Caleb Porter fail. Um, they haven't been very good, and I think that they were supposed to be better than they are. Um, I, I know it's I will hard to s- lose <sighs> Greg Berhalter. Well, um, not just
0: not just Greg Berhalter. They lost. Two their huge weapons and yes. Harrison of and then Milton Villasuela and then on top of it, know. Justin Miram. Uh Justin yeah, Miriam was tr- Miriam was trash. Let's just say it. Like Justin Miriam was not good. He was a garbage he was a tire fire on that left side all this beginning of the season. They depended on him and for whatever reason he folded. Yeah. Like they had to move him. They had they had to do something while he was still an asset. You know, look, I will give all sorts of props for them to to make that move because that needed to happen. It's mm-hmm. sad, but it needed to happen and they needed to find some other way. And you know what? The fact that they got David a calm, even though it's like on a season, weird loan type thing. Yeah, it's thing, basically just a quick loan. Yeah. I think that that's going to do, e- even in the short term, it's going to do them a load of good. The weird thing has been um, while you know, we talk about, yeah, you said, mentioned Federico Higuain losing his. Uh, being injured and you know being out for what probably the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, he's good. he's done for the year.
0: And, and uh, I mean, possibly was the last possibly time forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it,
1: it, it, we hope not. But that's a, yeah. that's a tough injury at that age. To you don't you
0: you don't ever want to say that. But uh, the weird thing that has kind of gone under the radar because there's been so much that happened is Arturs kind of lost his job. Yeah. That's true. David Guzman's the, you know, the old, uh, Caleb, Caleb Porter. Yeah. yeah he, he was a Caleb guy of obviously being brought, uh, by Portland under, uh, Porter. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I'm not sure how this is really going to shake out. This is a team that, man, it just has so many weird spots about it. And, the longer the U.S. is in there, the more they're going to play basically with Patrick Mullins up top, but in a one striker off. And I don't know how well Patrick Mullins is going to do in that. I, it could be really good depending on if a comm stays high, gives them some support. Um, I don't know if they're going to go into a four-four-two. If how they're going to, I really don't know how this team's going to look. Yeah, coming out of the break, it's it's going to be something kind of uh, kind of weird. Um, that's I know that's <laughs> that's not a really great analysis, but I mean, look, it is what it is. I mean, it is yeah. what it is because you know you're gonna have Rubinho that has to take Pedro Santos' spot as Santos slides into the middle of the field, um, and then you got two fullbacks that are kind of having to cover the spot, and hopefully they don't get injured. And, you know, it wasn't looking all that great because you had – who's uh, the left back? Waylon Francis is, you know, gone right now on international duty. So you have Hector Jimenez playing one side, and you're pushing Josh Williams out to the other, who Josh Williams has not been a right back or left back in four years. So, I mean, it's – this team is—you're having to replace Zach Steffen. Uh, this team is kind of in shambles, and you know it. it it's kind of a lot that Porter is going to have to figure out to get this team to a place that it could possibly be a a, a, cont- a playoff contender. And I—I I honestly, right now, I can't envision that. Um, yeah,
1: it's—it looks like it's a rebuilding year more so than anyone even expected, which is well, unfortunate. The, Right. Yeah, the
0: the tough part about it being a rebuilding year is it's not like they have, I guess they have a couple kids what uh, who went off to uh, Kita played at the World Cup, so they're gonna get him back and they're gonna be able to play him. But it's not like they have young guys that they're gonna have they're gonna give minutes to, or at least I don't think so. Maybe yeah. that's something that I, I'm missing. But uh, overall, it kind of stinks because it's not like something that they can experiment a lot a lot with, right? They're gonna have to rebuild a little bit on the fly and. Uh, I don't know if that's really going to be, yeah, I don't know if that's going to be possible this year. They, yeah. they might have to take
1: this year and next. Yeah. So I have an entry for surprising surprise team of the season for me. Oh, oh okay. And it's a team that I am well known for being a detractor of. Uh, but Orlando City oh I thought you were going to say Atlanta no no they have not surprised anybody Um, Orlando City can I tell you something interesting about Orlando City here sure if I were to say to you here's a trivia question who has the third best expected goals allowed per game in the whole league say Chicago Fire it's Orlando oh okay this was a team that was so awful last year defensively. Historically awful. Terrible. This year, they're good. Now, the actual amount of goals they're giving up is not, not great. And uh, they're certainly uh, underperforming, you know, with the underlying numbers show. Uh, but if I'm an Orlando fan, I'm pretty pleased with how things have gone so far this year. You know, I mean, like, Nani's been great. Uh has been good uh back there. I think all the things they did to the back line were upgrades. Uh Brian Rose's been fine. Um you know I I, I think that they they still have a lot to to do, to to catch up. Um but but like the underlying numbers are really good on this team.
2: Yeah
0: I don't <laughs> I think that this is something to where they 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 are doing some positive things, right? I don't want to be like Debbie Downer. Mm-hmm. I think their reliance upon Nani is
1: scary. Um, I feel like that's like well, we could say that about a lot of teams on this list, including going up this the standings.
0: Mm, we'll get there. Um, focus, I feel like Orlando is is much more shambolic. Uh, than than that because and and this is <laughs> unfortunately the situation right their defense is still not that great like I I, I get it I get it their their defense their expected goals against is try not to belch into the microphone um is is pretty good right um and their yeah, overall expected it's very good but. Here's, I, I mean, it's built on a couple of things that. Will Johnson. Uh. <laughs> yeah, like Ro- Oriol Rosell, uh, is, is interesting, and when he's healthy, he can sometimes be a difference maker. Christina, uh, Christian Hatinga, uh, is interesting, also can. Maybe be a difference maker when he gets on the field. They're really, really relying upon Will Johnson. And that's just he thirty two year old Will Johnson. Okay. Yeah. I mean okay I look, okay. You, you know what you do? Like this is that is the pinnacle of a Florida team, right there. That right there is like <laughs> what? that. It, it is. It is. It is a pinnacle of a Florida. Like Florida man, he he's is Florida. Canadian. Man. I know. I know he's Canadian. I know. I know. I know. But he is Florida. Like he okay. represents. He is Orlando. Look, I'm really happy. Like Ruan, they got a they got a great right back. Really happy for them. I think he's going to be somebody that not just uh, in the short term is going to be big for them, but somebody that could also perhaps uh, be sold on in the future and help generate revenue for that for that club. Not that necessarily they need revenue, but it helps to create allocation. Right. Um, it's good to see, uh, and it's either Janssen or uh, Jansen. I, I I don't Robin Jansen. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's Janssen. I, is it, he, uh, yeah, it, I think it's Janssen.
0: Swedish. So makes sense. He's been solid. He really has. He's come out of kind of nowhere to me. Um, he flew under my radar. So, and then you throw the pinnacle on the top is it, been Chris Mueller. Who's just, again, been really, really good. He's only 22. Mm-hmm. He's only 22 when we talk about guys uh, that can be difference makers in this league that are young. He's not someone that ever comes to the top of our heads, but maybe he should because he's consistently been a difference maker. When he gets out there, he's great in the high press. He's solid at creating shots and creating space and he, his tenacity on the ball, he doesn't get – he has that, um, that same type of ruggedness. I don't know. I think that a lot of this is built around Nani and the fact that Nani's gotten kind of lucky with a few of his si- situation. But I see the support finally kind of being there. Like Chris Mueller's been there a couple years, but I, I see some, some pieces finally starting to come together.
1: Okay. I, I, I so, don't know
0: if this, this is something okay. though that they that they're going to be able to string right. along for the long haul. Okay. Nani
1: has eight point three expected goals plus expected assists. Really good. Really solid season. He has six point one expected goals, two point two expected assists. He's a little bit, just a little bit over his XG. I mean, I don't see this. Dwyer has seven XG plus XA and Mueller 4.2. Dwyer's so. having
0: an underrated, a completely very quiet okay. season.
1: Well, he's also doing good then. It, so they're relying on two players.
0: Okay. But here's the deal. You, you, you're quoting numbers and I'm going to tell you again, what is Nani's open play numbers? They're, they're, they're not great there, buddy. .35 expected goals plus expected assists per 96. I mean, look, he's definitely got to step up to the penalty. And, look, just because I know sometimes we sit on here on this on this podcast and we kind of poo-poo penalties sometimes. You, if you earned a penalty, and, and that's what it kind of comes down to, if the referee's going to re- re- award one for your team, look, you take it. And I'm in no way implying that him scoring goals from the penalty spot or from anywhere is a negative. But if we're talking about open play numbers, I think that we're we're mistaken those those goals as a false uh, sense of security with his ability to change games. He's averaging less than two shots a game from open play. Look, he—he's definitely doing some things from the creativity side with 0.4, uh, fourteen expected assists. He's been com- he's combined well a couple times with Dom Dwyer. But we have these really po- overwhelmingly positive moments of Nani that are kind of fool's gold right now. And I'm not saying Orlando can't get in the playoffs. I'm saying that they have a really nice structure. And I think that they're over-reliant on Nani to get to the playoffs right now. I think give them a year, they're going to be really good. Especially, especially with figuring out what they're going to do with uh, Jose Coleman, who we haven't talked about, and the fact that they've finally parted ways with him, which is sad. But at least it's going to open up. So next year it'll open up some cap space for them to go and do something with it.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Toronto FC. Um, yeah, kind of a disappointing year last year. Uh, some big changes afoot this year, um, but for the most part, uh, things seem to be looking up. Uh, certainly, Altidore staying healthy will will, will help with that. Um, but I think this is probably about where I expected and where I think most people probably expected them to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, Puzuelo totally helped out, but <clears throat> I think he's kind of come da- back down to earth. We'll see, uh, how Altador looks after the, you know, op- after a uh, gold cup and then, uh, same with Osario. Uh, it should be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they end up adding a DP winger because they keep talking about that. I feel like they've been talking about that for a year, but, um, yeah, we'll see where that ends up. I think that they need one more piece if they're going to really compete in um, for MLS Cup, especially if they're going to have to go on the road because they don't get a top three seed. So we'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, Omar Gonzalez will help with, with that defense, tighten that up a little bit, which has been...
0: And, you know what? For all the things about Omar Gonzalez, <clears throat> he's been pretty consistent with staying on the field, at least... If from my memory, maybe somebody, maybe some LA Galaxy fan will send me some sort of hate mail or, you know, uh, we'll get stuff in there that'll send me a DM and be like, yeah. you're totally wrong. But I feel like Omar Gonzalez has been pretty steady. And for a team that has struggled with injuries, especially on the back line, that's kind of a huge get is to find a, a good defensive player who's also uh, consistent, at least from a health standpoint.
1: Yeah. Uh,. Oh, we skipped uh, Chicago. We, we did talk about the Chicago. Uh, I fight. was gonna. I was gonna send you a DM.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Chicago uh, has been quietly excellent. Second best expected goal differential in MLS right now. So uh, C.J. Sapong has been quietly excellent. He's kind of returned back to. Uh, he kind of got exiled from Philadelphia after you know having some some struggles with putting the ball in the back of the net. I know that's uh, been something that'll. Was written around like his finishing was you know awful and blah blah blah, but uh, you know it's it's been really good. And if you look at uh, on our app out on the ASA site, you'll see that we have expected points right now, and they actually have that I believe. they have the second highest expected points. So right now, the second part of the season, I would expect them to surge forward. I really do think that they're going to be a playoff team. I think that, um, you know, I honestly, I think that they're a team that's going to surprise a lot of people in the second half.
1: All right. Um, where did we skip back to? Ah, New York city, New York city football club. Um, certainly, uh, fizzled out a bit last year. I think there was a lot of talk this year about, um, you know, the post David Villa era and um, his, uh, his Dome Torrent. Like, is he actually, you know, what do you God think of do- Dome?
0: Team? What do you think? What do you think of, of the narrative that surrounds him?
1: I, I think there's some truth to it and some, some over reaction to it. I, I think he's mostly been fine. I, I, I think that, you know, their roster wasn't really well built at the start of the year. I think they very clearly lacked a number nine and uh had moved their best pieces to places where they weren't as effective as a result of that. And I think that uh Haber coming in has uh really kind of um solidified uh the team a bit more and I would expect them to uh to to, to, to do well in the second half of the season is assuming everybody stays healthy. Yeah, it
0: seems like for the first time that Domey's really had a number nine, right? Like you talked about via leaving, but even before then, he really struggled with his health at the end yeah. of last season, and it feels like uh, that was kind of uh, detrimental to you know any team, any person coming on to t- manage a team to lose your number nine. Uh, that seems like that would be a frustration, uh, and and you know. It, even though there are definitely probably some signals in there with, you know, tinkering and everything, I think that kind of, it, it all starts right there. It's all the crux of having to move around and, and deal with the fact that they've really not had a backup for David V. And I don't really think they have a suitable backup now. Um, yeah, it, it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, what's happened. But, uh, you know, you're right. Hebert has been so good. He's been, he really is so very skillful. He's probably one of the underrated number nines right now in the league. Uh he's been fant- fantastic early on.
1: Yeah. Uh <clears throat> things are maybe not so not as rosy you know, for the, the crosstown rivals. Um I think that there were a lot of high expectations for New York Red Bulls this year. And I think the one question mark we had uh was Bradley Wright Phillips. Uh, you know, as we will continue to have each year. Um and I think right now, people are disappointed. I think the the fans are a little disappointed. Um, I certainly see... Um, they don't seem to have that same sort of spark they had last year. Uh, they seem to play a little more slowly. Um, I, I think there's some good things. Um, I'm surprised that Kaku's still around. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, Brian White's been very good. That's always. Something they're very good at is finding kids to kind of fill in. Uh, I was sad to see Florian Velo get injured again. Um, so, yeah, it, it, um, it, you know, coping with the loss of Tyler Adams is obviously going to hurt any team. Um, and, you know, really the first season, you know, where it's been all Chris Armis and not Jesse Marsh. I mean, that was such a key part of that identity as well. So, I, I guess. Maybe we were a little too optimistic about them, but um, certainly I think there's some there's some room for improvement here going forward in the second half.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of room, and, and you're absolutely right. Like any team that loses Tyler Adams, I think everybody, inclu- myself included, um, really didn't quite understand the gravitas of losing Tyler Adams and and what an amazing player he's turned into in a very short amount of time. And, you know, I think some people that will be listening would be kind of point to the fact that, you know, they've actually had a pretty good form over the last two months. I mean, they've only dropped two games since uh, the end of April. And overall, they've been on a pretty good winning streak. And not just that, they've managed to pull attackers kind of out of their rear end with Tom Barlow. And then, you know, um, they haven't yeah. really played yeah. Matthias oh, Jorgensen. Yeah. But, um you know they they've been able to to just make things work. You know Brian White came out of I don't want to say came out of nowhere. I mean he played a little bit last year, but um, these guys have kind of just been found opportunities, and it, it seems very red bullish. Um, and I say red bullish because you know we talked about it last year. They've kind of broken our metrics to an a, to an extent because we kind of see players uh, and teams play a specific way. So we're used to looking at numbers and data from a very specific um, lens and they very much don't play that way. They play very chaotic and, and, and overall that our metrics don't necessarily like them. They still don't like them. That being said, um, it'll be kind of interesting to see going forward, whether or not they're going to be able to a up their chances and then B start mitigating because for this, this New York Red Bulls defense, despite having some really talented defenders on their team, they've just they've seeded a lot of chances early on this this first half of the year and that's going to be really the i think the goals are going to come it's whether or not they can they can kind of stop the bleeding right
1: yes yeah i agree Uh, they're they're at at 1.5 points per game which is i think it's fair it's average. I mean, it's the definition of average, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, that is a point that is a point per game that's going to get you into the playoffs. Yeah, which is enough in the East. And I don't think that this team is going to miss the playoffs. I, you know, I, I just think compared to last season, and, you know, when we usually see them challenging for a supporter shield, that, that doesn't look to be in the cards so much this year. But, you know, things happen. All right. Um, my favorite team, Atlanta. United FC started off the season um gloriously bad. We said that um I mean I think before the season we said that there was a chance that could happen, that they would they would start slow, that it would take some time to get for DeBoer to kind of stamp his identity on the team, that it would um maybe it'd be a betting-in period for for Pity Martinez, that that um Joseph Martinez probably wouldn't score a thousand goals. They are just late. haters, right? Yeah, we were just haters. Um, and then they started off slow, and we, we laughed at them, as we should. And then, um, you know, but we said that they'll, they'll be fine. And they're fine. Uh, they've won a, a lot of games uh, lately. Uh, Martinez is back up to 10 goals already. So probably not going to hit the heights he did last year, but but still a very solid return for an MLS striker. Um, I think Pity is better than... Uh, most people, including Atlanta fans, give them credit for. Uh, you know, and I, I think that they're a different team. They're still very good. They're just good in a different way. They're they're more. I don't think they're going to blow teams out very much like they did last year. But I also don't think they're going to. I think they're going to be harder to beat, despite that.
0: Yeah, I think that more uh, defensively sturdy, uh, and yeah. not just that. Uh, they're, I think the longer that they get used to DeBoer's system, the more that they become just empowered by having the ball and control the ball and having the individuals on their team that are so comfortable with the ball at their feet, like Darlington Agby, who has been quietly very good for them. I think that this team is going to be harder to beat. And really, if you look back since they've crashed out of CCL, they've been a top two top three team behind uh, LAFC, who like let's say just say right now you can't really compare anyone to uh, LAFC. No, so, yeah, I mean it's exactly just that. disingenuous right now. They're just so yeah. far ahead of everybody. Um, although on points per game since they uh, crashed out, uh, LAFC is slightly behind Atlanta. I will point that out. Uh, But I mean, if you look on expected points, right, Atlanta's number two, you look on an expected goal differential. uh, They're number three. Um, This is a team that rightly, since they've kind of gotten off their that slow start out of their system has been consistent and they're really good. And no, they're not dominating and, and overwhelming. And that, that style that they played last year was just so smash mouth. But And it's, it was super enjoyable, like aesthetically to watch some team just completely dismantle another team. It was like watching, uh, the demolition derby, uh, to to say, and so this is a little bit more refined. This is, this is a little bit more, uh, what was the, what was the PBS, uh, TV show that people dug for a little masterpiece bit. theater yeah the masterpiece the- this is much more masterpiece theater it's it's art but it's an art of a different kind right it's it's mm. it's very less uh, pollocky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah Um is gonna be fine uh, I think they'll probably uh, top out this East
0: so I uh, well I was just gonna ask you that right like um, yeah. Maddie's cool little app that we have on here that has playoff seating probabilities he has them as thirty uh, percent to take number
1: one over Philly and NYC right now. Yeah, would you take I, that? I, yeah, I'd, I'd take those. Interesting. Uh, if there's if there's one thing I can count on, it's it's Atlanta being good. Um, yeah. So uh, again, it, it was a slow start. It, it tested the patience of, of many an Atlanta fan. We, we enjoyed their tweets, uh, despair at having five bad games. Uh, but but they're back. Atlanta's back, baby. Yeah, there we go. That'll be great. I really wanted to quote like Britney Spears there, but I won't. No, that's not. Uh, DC United. Uh, I think that we had a uh, a lot of a lot of positive thoughts about this team towards the end of the last season, and I, I think that uh it was very understandable to be optimistic about them uh, this season, and I think for the most part they have delivered. I, I don't really see like a lot of uh differentiation. This is more or less where I expected them to be. I didn't expect the teams that are around them to be in the order that they are, but, but this is, <laughs> this is kind of where I expected them to be at this point in the year um yeah, so I will say i they
0: started off really strong and i i kinda I was a little surprised at where they were at um halfway through April because there's a part of me that feels like that whole second half season where they have that just an enormous amount of games at home. They had Rooney, largely uh, not travel, nicely tucked in.
1: Yeah, And so, you
0: know, I kind of waited for that bottom to fall out in the first four games. I mean, they're really strong and, you know, then they struggle a little bit, you know, they lost out to LAFC in just a weird fashion. That four, nothing loss to LAFC was so weird. And then they followed it up with the draw to Montreal. They barely got out of Colorado and then they lost to NYC. And, you know, ever since that, you kind of see this. They've not been as dominant. And really, honestly, if you take it back to um, May 3rd, so a little over a month ago, um, they have the worst expected goal differential in MLS through se- in seven games. Um, that's not to say they're the worst MLS team, but I think that it, it really kind of, It exposes them a little bit more in the sense that they're going to struggle. They're going to have games where, you know, Luciano Acosta can't take over and Rooney can't uh, deliver these, these one-off miracles and their defense is probably a little overrated. Um, I like Steve Birnbaum a lot. I love Bill Hamid, but those two guys can't do everything. And with, you know, that defensive line was really well rebuilt and then they, got hit by that injury bug again as dc united seems to consistently do um so it'll be really interesting to see how they can get through this over the stretch of the games i totally think there will be a playoff team i don't know if they're going to have a top three seed i i legitimately am not sure um
1: yeah, that's fair that's fair
0: I think it's more likely that they finish in, in in a four five six and that's where our that's really where our model likes them best so yeah. I, I think that's probably where they'll end up. Um, I think the fact that they had Rooney and the fact that we had this huge narrative about them for half a season people will overestimate them and we'll, they'll you know they'll be that quote unquote sleeping lion in the east. Um, but, uh, largely I, I, I don't think that they're going to be very difficult to beat on the road.
1: I like Junior Moreno a lot. I think That was a good signing. Um, yeah.
0: What do you I think, think of Ru- Russell Knauss? I, I feel like you're either completely over the moon for Russell Canoose <laughs> or, completely
1: uh, ambivalent towards Russell. Uh, uh, yeah. Knauss. Um, but-
0: you don't think, you don't think it's like a sh- uh, shame he's, that uh, like it's it's a sham that the U.S. men's national team isn't is using I him? No, no I, uh,
1: but I, I think he's good. I think he's on the I think he's on that fringe level of US USMNT player, um, which is where he should be. Um, but at some point, I'd like to see him get a look. You know, just as we well, he does get lots for. of
0: looks uh, with his you know his new real estate license. But aside yeah, from that,
1: that's true. I was excited about that for him. Uh, okay, uh, next team we have is the team I still don't understand, uh, the Montreal Impact, who are in second place in the East. And uh, won eight games this year. They have a negative seven goal differential. <laughs> I, I don't get this team at all. Um, they haven't had Piotti basically the whole year. I don't understand this team, Harrison. I have nothing to say except that I don't know what will happen to Montreal on any given day um, or any given week or at the end of the year. I just don't know.
0: See, what's really crazy about them is that they their defense isn't bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. It's like it it toes that line to being almost above average.
1: But it has terrible games. like R- horrible Oh, yeah,
0: games. absolutely. To where they just completely break down. Yeah, and then their attack is not good; it's not terrible,
1: yeah,
0: but it borderlines on that. We're almost we almost below average,
1: yeah.
0: It, it actually, it's it, it's it's kind of sitting right about below average. So it's somewhere between that below average but not terrible type realm, and yeah. it feels a whole lot like they've just absolutely dug into this. We're not going to be terrible during the, these these moments, and those moments are exactly the moments they've needed to win one nothing games. Yeah. And somehow they've managed to do that. And yeah. not only that, their expected points is actually kind of respectable at one point three seven. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. They, I said I don't understand this team. Um, I think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to finish third uh, no. or mm-hmm. second. Uh, but I think they'll be in the playoffs. I think they'll, they'll will their way there. Um, I think Piotti coming back is going to make them better, as it, as it obviously will. Um, not even sure when that's supposed to be. Hopefully soon. Um, but generally speaking, uh, Montreal are just my delightful wild card team every year. Who even knows what's going on with Montreal. Uh, Probably my favorite story of this year is uh, the Philadelphia Union, which was, um, I think, a team that you really liked a lot last year. Yeah. That you expressed a lot of dismay about in the preseason this year, about the direction they were going. Um, That I think we both expected to struggle. And here they sit atop the Eastern Conference. Um, Oh,
0: uh, Press pause on that, baby. First three games, they did
1: struggle. Sure. Um, but they've they've gotten it together. <laughs> they've made some very good signings. Um, it is an interesting thing. I don't see a lot of signs that this team won't be uh, in the... I don't think they're going to win out the, the conference. I, I think Atlanta will eventually pass them. Um, but I don't see any reason why they couldn't be second or third. Uh,
0: yeah, no. It, <clears throat> right now, I think that it's a three-dog race. I think Atlanta, Philadelphia, NYC. If NYC can continue being what they are, they very well could slide into that second. I think I would be shocked to see Philadelphia not have home-field advantage, though. Uh, I think home-field advantage should absolutely be the goal for this Philadelphia team. And <clears throat> the the funny thing is, is they're kind of they're not pressing as much as they they make it out to be like they're pressing in certain spots they're picking and choosing when to press and they're doing so it's such a um a really it's strong choices it's it's strong choices they have a set of guys that are making good decisions on a consistent basis and then on top of that those good decisions as an underpinning are leading to turnovers and they're turning those turnovers regularly into shot opportunities and by huge volumes this team is just yeah they they are just a really good team i mean there's there's not much that they don't do well but right now that attack is is absolutely brutal though winning that ball up top high is preventing the ball from you know getting anywhere near that defense so even though their defense isn't necessarily great um, yeah. It's above average, and that's and amazing this... considering everyone under that on that defense is, what, below 24, under 24? And
1: you look at guys that aren't a part of this, Marco Fabian, Corey Burke. I mean, these were two kind of guys that were, were big, you know, penciled in as big contributors for them. Haven't been available. Instead, you've got guys like Montairo, um, Sergio Santos is interesting. Uh, you know, Fafa Pico is, uh, it's just a very well-rounded team. It's a very balanced team. There's not one player that is the fulcrum of all of this. Um, So I think it's going to be a difficult uh, house of cards to topple. Um, So I don't really have much else to say. Maybe, maybe I'll get a blurb from the Philadelphia union Twitter page this time. The Philadelphia Philadelphia union in 2019 are great. Ian, American soccer. analysis show. Just, write it out uh, no I'm kidding uh, this has been uh, this has been a, a good story and uh, I I have a lot of um, a lot of happiness for those fans that are that are finally getting to really enjoy a very good team and see them week in and week out um, and it's built well for the future too uh, if they can manage to to, to not uh, collapse at all this year I mean I think they've got a platform to really go on to be a, a contender uh, in the east for a few years
0: yeah no I think they I think their window is just now really opening, and I think they are going to be one of those teams that very quietly is going to, regardless of who's up top and who's um, you know the Toronto's, the Atlantas, the NYCFC. I think they're a team that's going to consistently um, over—I say overperform—as if it's a as if it's a negative thing. They're going to go head to head with those teams because their youth core is just so dynamic and so good. And then they're coupling that with smart signings. Look, Marco Fabian, yeah, he might not have really worked out. Brendan Aronson's outperforming him, the young player out of their homegrown uh, program. Which is great. That's great. But Marco Fabian, it's not like they paid a bundle. They made him, what, a TAM player? He might be a DP for a year. And yeah. then you move oh, on. That yeah. it, it was a it's a smart signing and it's smart signings like that. That if they can continue doing stuff like that and take you know um, low risk high reward opportunities on players, they're going to consistently be really good. And I think honestly, I think Marco Fabian getting injured helped Philadelphia be a better team. That's
1: a good take. I like that one. Um, All right, everybody. Thank you uh, so much for listening. That was our Eastern Conference preview. Uh, We'll be back not next week, but the week following uh, to uh, hopefully talk about a great U.S. men's national team Gold Cup and how Greg Berhalter solved it and we're ready to take on the world. But maybe we'll talk about the opposite of that. But let's hope for the good thing. (laughs) Thank you, as always, to my friend uh, and co-host, Harrison Crow. You can find him on Twitter at Harrison underscore Crow. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at a handle for Ian. You can follow American Soccer Analysis at Analysis Evolved, and please visit the website, www.americansocceranalysis.com. Check it out. Uh, Interactive table up, expected points, um, some win probability stuff going up there, playoff model, Basically, everything you need. It's all right there. Um, and we, we really, really appreciate you visiting. Uh, and uh, thank you uh, so much for listening. Enjoy uh, your next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be back soon. Until then, enjoy the soccer.
2: Morning towers are my nights of dread. Morning towers nights of dread. I saw my soul stipple to my bed. She saw my soul's to my bed. It's weighing down on me A cold sweat through my arteries I can't breathe No one gets it easy She wants it easy No one gets it easy She wants it easy I need a 60 foot yard Some trust one kids of a woman in a white bikini prescription drugs prescription love and the miracle to clean up all my dirty martinis someone else's